Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. You heard it. Cofield the company. We're going to check in with Steve Cofield out up north, UNLV, wrapping up their regular season with the Wolfpack of Nevada. A very important game for Nevada as well in these next few games, too, because uh, by all accounts, Nevada right along the bubble, trying to play their way in to the NCAA tournament. Let's check in with Mike Ramal of the Las Vegas Sun. Give us enough time here. They're nice enough to give us some time here today to talk about UNLV. Mike, it's good to talk to you, buddy. So I wanted to start actually with this. I want to go back to this loss. Um, to Utah State, and you had a great um, you had a great moment in your little in your uh, post game column here about Webster coming up to the podium and issuing a statement before you guys got to ask him questions. So I'll ask you, like, what's the vibe there, and what vibe do you get from this team? Because I know how I feel. You know, I'm not around this team as much as you are, but doing the games every once in a while and being able to help out on the radio broadcasts, I know what I'm kind of feeling with this UNLV team. But the vibe is pretty wonky when it comes to the Rebels. Yeah, I would say that the vibe is uh, is not good. It's it's a, a little late in the season to be having those kinds of games and to have to uh, feel like you have to make a statement like that. Um, especially, you know, for the past week we've been hearing from the players and the team, you know, as you hear from every team around this time, you know, we've got to play our best basketball at this time of year. Um, we've, we've got a chance of, uh, against anyone, to beat anyone in the conference tournament if we play our best. Um which is, uh, is true in the abstract, but this team is not playing anywhere near its best. Um, they might actually be playing their worst ball of the season. Um, we saw them almost lose to Air Force. It took a buzzer beater, you know, a last-second steal, and a put-back to beat Air Force, which is a, a pretty bad team. Uh, and then their worst game of the season uh, was the follow-up. So, I don't. it's just it's late in the season to be having those kind of moments, and we saw them... Especially defensively, there were times when they just weren't giving effort in, in that last game. So against Utah State, Utah State beat them so badly that they just kind of gave up on the defensive end. So um, with one game left to go, I would say it's it's trending in the wrong direction. So I wanted to start there because that that's the defense is obviously what we all expected to kind of be the solid part, right? Like, should they be this bad offensively? No, but we expected that to be the weak link for this team defensively, what what can you say happened here? Because watching them, you know, the, the last time I got to watch them up close and in person was the San Jose State game, and watching on TV, there just seems to be these moments where there's just a miscommunication, whether it's a miscommunication on a switch, leaving a guy wide open, like the physicality hasn't been there for a couple of these guys that was at the beginning of the season. What happened with them defensively outside of injuries that you've seen? It's it com- to me, watching them, it comes down to something that Kevin Kruger was saying a lot earlier in the year, which was that they just they want to heat up the ball. They want to make other teams uncomfortable. They want to be annoying, was the word that he used over and over again. We want to be an annoying defense. We push you out further than you want to start your offense. We make it difficult to even to throw that, that first pass or to receive a pass. We just want to be all up in your face, and everything you do is hard. And about the midpoint of the season, teams just realized that the ball moves faster than a man. So quick passing uh, and smart passing can beat that sort of defense. And that's what's, that's what's happening now. UNLV is just they're scrambling to catch up to the ball on pretty much every possession. They're always in rotation. There are always guys open. And the pass is, beating the rota- is, is getting to the next man quicker than the defensive player can rotate, and when that happens over and over again, it's just sort of demoralizing. 
to give up so many open shots and to, to give up so many points. And they're just – other teams are not bothered by their defense anymore. Earlier in the season, other teams were annoyed by them. Now it's like the defense is not even there. They've sort of been figured out. So to me, that's, that's the biggest thing. There's really no um, fear factor. UNLV is not dictating anything to offenses. They're just sort of there. Um, and they've, they've been figured out. So with that term, too, like, especially defensively, I, I find it hard to look at this matchup with a lot to play for, right, when it comes to, like, an at-large bid and staying alive in that regard to expect anything different coming into this game on Saturday. It, it should be interesting because in conference play, uh, Nevada is one of the few teams that was affected by UNLV's defense. Now, that was earlier in conference play, but they did. I think 19 or 20 turnovers in that game by Nevada, and they were a low turnover offense. So that was one of the few times where UNLV's uh, approach was effective in conference play, and they were able to win that game at home. Yeah. Now, we'll have to see if that holds up the second time around. Um, is Nevada still going to be uh, a half step behind, or are they going to be one of these teams now that is able to be one step ahead of the defense? So um, we'll see if they've been able to correct that. But, uh, yeah, this was one of the few matchups where it did seem to work for UNLV, so We'll have to see if they can um, do it for another 40 minutes against uh, Nevada. Outside of the shooting, what do you think has been the problem with the offense? They don't have a lot of offensive skill, I would say. If you just went from player to player and overall said, you know, what is your plus skill? What is your plus attribute? You'd say, you know, EJ Harkless can – score off the dribble a little bit, and then you're just, what's the next guy that's got a plus attribute? Right. Who's the plus shooter? Who's the plus passer? Who can get your bucket in the post? Who can really break down the defense with his dribble and then, and then kick it out? There's really no one that's got you know these, these plus attributes, so they're left with a lot of guys who are third options, fourth options, um, who don't really have a, a specialized skill or you know, they really need someone else to do that initial work, and there's the only E.J. Harkness is a guy who can do some of it, but it's not enough. And then you just look at, you know, the shooting. They just don't have – Harkless is not a, a good outside shooter. Um, Rodriguez is not a good outside shooter. Keyshawn Gilbert had good percentages earlier in the year, but he's not taking outside shots anymore. Teams are starting to give him the, the Westbrook treatment where they just abandon him at the three-point line and he won't shoot it. So you add all that up where they don't have shooting to make out, you know, if you've got a team full of shooters, you make up for a lot of other deficiencies in today's game. UNLV doesn't have that, so they can't make up for the other stuff that um, where they're really lacking. So I would just say there's just not a lot of stuff that strikes fear into a defensive game plan when you uh, look at their, the, the players that are in UNLV's rotation right now. Is, is it fair to say that there's not a lot of – I guess the word I'm looking for is variety. Like, there's when it comes to this offensive scheme, like I just when I watch a couple of the times, Mike, I just don't know what exactly they're going for in terms of what they're trying to do when they run their offense. Yeah, it's pretty much devolved over the the season. Earlier in the year, it was you know Harkless and Gilbert driving into the paint, collapsing right. the defense, um, kicking the ball out. They would, in their you know when they would get live ball turnovers on defense, they could turn that into a quick offense, and that covered up some of the deficiencies. But now, um, like I said, teams are really backing off Gilbert. They're clogging the paint. It's difficult for him to get in there and do the same kind of uh, stuff he was doing earlier in the air. So it's really just Harkless taking the ball against his defender 
trying to beat him one-on-one either for a shot or to get them in rotation somehow. And he's the only guy. You know, they've got, Keyshawn Hall can do a – he draws a little bit of defensive attention on the post. We saw teams start to send an extra defender at him. But he's a freshman who really doesn't know how to take advantage of that yet. So he's, he's, it's not like he's getting doubled and creating advantages for other players. He's just getting doubled. And he's having a hard time with that. So, yeah, it's basically just what Harkless can get them for either for himself or with that first pass out of a drive. And otherwise, they're not running a whole lot of offense. So what about the health of this team? You know, obviously, we know Eli Parquet uh, with the injury issues that he's been dealing with, Luis Rodriguez uh, in terms of his injury issues. I mean, in terms of health, we know what this team has been dealing with. And like, I, I find it hard. Like, So you, we can talk about Luis Rodriguez, right? So he comes back against Utah State, plays 20 minutes, goes 0-4 from three-point range. Like, feel like he was a guy that he, they missed in terms of energy, right? Like the tongue out, running down the court, doing a lot of the big impact plays. I think it was a really big part of keeping that team afloat when it came to their energy. But for the most part, even if we talk about injuries, Mike, like to your point, there's not even dudes that were missing that had that plus skill set, to use your term. So we can point to injuries to a certain extent, but I also don't think that's a really big reason why this collapse happened. Yeah, in, in terms of injuries, you know, Eli Parquet is not a guy who's bringing anything to the offense. Rodriguez was a guy who earlier in the year, and non-conference player especially, when I talk about you know live ball turnovers, running out, getting in transition, he was the guy who was pretty much the main uh, beneficiary of that. He had a lot of transition points, run-out dunks, run-out layups, transition threes. Um, so maybe you're missing some of that with him, but they really haven't been forcing those turnovers at the same rate on the defensive end. So I don't think you can really point to that. It's just... It's tough for them to generate offense, especially against a, a set half-court defense. Uh, you know, and the Mountain West has some teams that can play good defense. They face, you know, elite defenses. They they face good defenses, um, and they're you know they're just up against it. So I don't think there's any help coming. You know, Parquet. I don't expect him to play uh, again. Maybe not this season. Mm-hmm. Probably not tomorrow for sure. Um, Rodriguez is back, but you know, coming off the bench, I don't think there's you know any savior coming to help them. You know, off the injured list. So if they're going to figure something out, it's going to have to be from the guys that they have now, um, and they're going to have to do it between now and the start of the Mountain West tournament. So not a lot of time to, to figure out what's gone wrong with the offense. All right, what's your expectation for tomorrow? Ken Palm Projection has it as a 76-67 win for Nevada. I do think it's going to be close. I don't – the way that UNLV got beat by Utah State and the way they gave up and the effort that they gave – which, you know, prompted Justin Webster to come out and, as you said, you know, just um, cut off the questions before they could start and just sort of, like, just straight up apologize for um, the way that they gave up. I don't think you're going to – I think it's rare to see that twice in a row. Like, if you do that once, and UNLV is not a bad team. I wouldn't call them a bad team. You know, they're just kind of an okay team that they beat bad teams. They usually lose to good teams, but they can muster a good performance. I don't see them turning in something like that two games in a row. So I think you'll see them with some fight. I think they'll turn it up on the defensive end. I don't think they're going to get blown out. And if they make some three-pointers, they can hang around. I don't expect them to win. Um, they're just not playing for much. That's something that Jordan McCabe said after the game, which I thought was uh, you know, very frank and honest. He said, McCabe said, what you saw was a team, one team fighting for a spot in the NCAA tournament and another team that would you know, like to win you know, if that's what happened. And... That, that was the difference. And Nevada's another team that's going to be giving it a full throttle, 100% effort. Uh, I think they'll win. 
think UNLV can stick around for a while, though, but I just don't see how they score enough points or get enough stops. All right, man. We appreciate the time. Are you up in Reno? Where are you at right now? Did you hit up a library out there in Reno? I feel like you've probably been there a couple of times, right? <laughs> no, I, I'm in No, I'm in uh, Reno right now. Yeah, we had some flight complications earlier in the morning, so it took a while to get here. But I am here now. I haven't crossed paths with uh, Steve Cofield yet, but I'm here he's in town or just about to be in town, so maybe we'll – We'll see what's going on with him later, but yeah, I just got um, a uh, I got a bunch of texts at once from Steve just now, so I assume that means he turned his phone on and everything went through. So uh, I'm assuming he's landed safely. Yes, and so I'm sure he'll see you at an Outback Steakhouse somewhere. I don't even know if they have him <laughs> up there. All right, Mike, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Yep, you got it, Mike Ramallah, Las Vegas Sun. Yeah, Steve is going to be uh, joining us here in a few minutes. We do have to check in with him, get his thoughts on a. What is going to happen with UNLV? And I think Mike said it really nicely there, too. Not nicely as in, like, to be nice, but, like, in terms of summing it up very well. Um, UNLV is not a bad team. UNLV is just in a stretch in which they have hit a little bit of poor play. And I think that McKay putting it the way that he did, frank but honest, when you're talking about that loss to Utah State and the way that it went down, uh, one team was fighting for something really big, and the other was just fighting to kind of snap a skid and get right before we get to the end of the regular season. And that's not really going to win you a lot of these high-leverage games, which they are getting into now, because there's a lot of teams in the Mountain West that are fighting for a lot of stuff when it comes to at-large bids in the NCAA tournament. All right, we still have Big Four at four in our pocket, so we can get to that at some point. A lot of good stories to get into there. You have more on the Los Angeles Clippers as well and their struggles coming out of the All-Star break because the Western Conference is uh, going to be a beast. I'm here in San Francisco, a little rainy. But when you think of San Francisco, by the way, i got to tell you, i got a great Uber driver today. <laughs> you got driving this Daisy. <laughs> got the man times have changed times have changed great uber service in san fran baby the goat <laughs> it's Cofield and company on espn las vegas and espn sports reno that's a rod apparently on tiktok with barry bonds as his uber driver i I don't know how I feel about, like, A-Rod on TikTok. I don't think it's to the level of, like, we'll put it this way. When my mom sent me a friend request on Facebook, that's when I knew that Facebook was dead for me. And that is essentially what Facebook has turned into. I'm kind of old, right? Like, I'm 32. I'm going to be 33 this year. So I think I'm still okay to be on TikTok and I don't really post unironically on TikTok either. I'm not famous, so I think it's okay. But A-Rod being on TikTok and having Barry Bonds allegedly as his Uber driver is something that makes me somewhat uncomfortable. Also what makes me uncomfortable, being a Clippers fan in general, it's not a fun existence. Not a lot of success in that um, history there. And not a lot of success recently. Clippers have lost their last four games coming out of the All-Star break, and and they're a big story in the NBA for multiple reasons. A lot of the um, pundits around the league believe that this Clippers team was pretty talented coming into this year and thought that they were going to be a competitor for the Western Conference. I thought they were going to be a competitor for the Western Conference, and that that can still happen. I don't want a four-game sample size to ruin what looked like to be a team finding its footing going into the All-Star break because the Clippers had won 10 out of 14 games going into the All-Star break. So they were looking more and more comfortable. But they become a bigger story because they add Russell Westbrook to the mix. 
And, oh boy, it has not really gone well. Russell Westbrook has kind of looked like Russell Westbrook at times and not like the old Russell Westbrook, <laughs> like the new one. And it's been pretty bad. And it's in this weird sense where I don't want to come in. We were talking about low-hanging fruit in the first hour when it comes to topics and media. And I think it's really easy to come out and say, ha see, told you, it's all Russell Westbrook's fault. He stinks. I don't think it's all Russell Westbrook's fault. But I think what has happened over the last four games for the Los Angeles Clippers is tied intrinsically to Russell Westbrook, so it's kind of hard not to make that argument. And so what I mean by this is I think really if you're laying this at the feet of somebody and or anybody, it is the decision makers, whether it be Ty Lue, the front office, or even Paul George, not to call him a decision maker, but Paul George was one of the more vocal players that came out in hopes of the Clippers adding Russell Westbrook when he was still a member of the Utah Jazz and a potential buyout candidate. But I think you're looking at these decision makers and going, dude, you had a really good thing going. What are you doing? And it's not even just what are you doing in adding Russell Westbrook. It's breaking apart what had quietly become a really good lineup for the Los Angeles Clippers. For those who don't know, Terrence Mann is one of their young guards that they have on this roster. And Terrence Mann, going into the All-Star break, had started 21 straight games. And in the 12 games in which he had started at point guard prior to the All-Star break, with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, the Clippers were 10-2 in those 12 games. Their starting lineup with Terrence Mann, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George on the floor, along with Marcus uh, Marcus Morrison of each Zubac, had outscored opponents by 13.3 points per 100 possessions. That's a really elite number for a net rating. For a comparison, and this is a much better net rating, but it gives you an idea, like an, an amazingly elite number is the Golden State Warriors starting lineup of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Raymond Green, and Kevon Looney. That's got a plus 22.1 net rating. Clippers were getting better and better with Terrence Mann as their starting point guard. Were they good defensively? No, nah, they had some issues. But their offense was incredible with Terrence Mann out there helping them run the show. And they see these returns. Terrence Mann, who, by the way, for those who don't remember, had a massive game against the Utah Jazz the year that they ousted them in the semifinals to move on to the Western Conference Finals. They looked at that and said, nah, we're going to blow that up. And we're going to insert a new point guard into the mix. You don't change your point guard this late into the season. You only got, you got less than 20 games. And especially in a conference that's like insanely wide open. It's wild to think that. And yet the Los Angeles Clippers decided to do it. And now guys like Ty Lue are getting destroyed. Jason McIntyre, who works for Fox Sports, live tweeting it. Russ should just ask out of the game. That was the bad part, too, man. That Golden State game last night where Draymond Green is just hanging out in the paint. And I, can I say, because I know Steve Cofield is not a big Draymond Green fan, I have to throw this at him when we get to talk to him here in a couple of minutes. A low-key genius move when it comes to like the mental game of defending an, an opposing player, Draymond Green defending Russell Westbrook the way that he was, the insulting way of sagging off. It wasn't even sagging. What is the next step from sagging off? Just He was, I think, like 10 feet off, maybe more, from Russell, uh, from Russell Westbrook. And like every once in a while, would kind of take a step in his direction, but we're just leaving him with nobody. You do whatever you want, man. You want to shoot, you go ahead. And he wasn't. He was trying his best to kind of facilitate and make things happen. But it just speaks to how bad this is getting. 
for the Los Angeles Clippers. And again, it's only four games, but the reason why it seems so bad is because they don't seem like they're going to move off of this when it comes to Russell Westbrook. There's no indication that Ty Lue is actually going to adjust here and maybe think about taking Russell Westbrook out of the starting lineup and going back. To, and more importantly, it's not even taking Russell Westbrook out of the starting lineup. It's putting Terrence Mann back into the starting lineup and allowing the Clippers to become a team that maybe we expected them to be when they had won 10 out of 14 games going into the break. And it sucks, too, because I am very much in the camp of, like, what happened with the Los Angeles Lakers was not all Russell Westbrook's fault. It wasn't. Was Russell Westbrook not good with the Lakers? Absolutely. But was the criticism of Russell Westbrook, like, kind of bordering on vitriolic and just, frankly, mean-spirited? Yeah. And I get it that social media, I guess that's what we're supposed to do. But to throw everything that was wrong with the Los Angeles Lakers at the feet of Russell Westbrook was, I think, wrong. And I think it's wrong to do it here. Has he been good? No. But is everything his fault? Not entirely. For example, Marcus Morris has not been very good for the Los Angeles Clippers. But Ty Lue doesn't want to pull him out of there. Eric Gordon has not been good since the Clippers acquired him. There's a lot of things you can point to here. Vich Zubac has been banged up since they came out of the All-Star break. A lot of things you can point to. But either way, it makes this whole entire Western Conference completely fascinating. We get the news the other day that LeBron James has a tendon issue. He's going to be reevaluated in three weeks. That sucks because the key word is reevaluated. That does not mean you're coming back in three weeks. That means that you're going to. They're going to look at you again. And trust me, look at you again in terms of the injury is part of it. The other part of it is looking at the standings and going, hmm, where are we right now as a team? Is it worth bringing LeBron James back? And their schedule going forward is not easy. They get the Timberwolves tonight. They get the Golden State Warriors on Sunday, the Lakers do. And that's the day that Steph Curry is supposed to make his return from injury. They get the Grizzlies on uh, Tuesday. Next Friday, they host Toronto. Now, luckily, they're in the midst of a five-game, what, five- or six-game homestand. But this is not a schedule that does them any favors, the Los Angeles Lakers. Because this is either a bunch of teams that are rated better than them or a bunch of teams that are rated on the same level as them. In other words, coin flip spots that you're going to be playing without your best player on the floor. Sucks. And now, all of a sudden, you get this addition. We're going to see in just a couple of minutes from now. We've got like 30 minutes from 5 o'clock. We know that the Phoenix Suns obviously have their new look. And Kevin Durant is there with Phoenix. And all of a sudden, the top of the Western Conference starts to weigh a little bit heavier because the Clippers are falling apart. The Lakers are not. I mean, I don't think they're ever going to be a really big contender in the Western Conference. And the Grizzlies, I mean, how about that? I guess we'll call it a mess with John Morant and the details coming out with the civil suit with him and the teenager that had got into a fight on the property and allegedly maybe had assaulted on top of the stories in which uh, he had a, a laser pointed outside of his SUV at some Indiana Pacers players. Might not have been him at the end of the laser, and the thought process is maybe that it was a gun on the other end of that laser with one of his colleagues in the, the SUV. But the Grizzlies can't win a road game to save their lives. So it kind of stinks because tying this back to the Clippers – it looked like the Clippers, when they were going to the All-Star break, were going to make this Western Conference interesting because at least you could think they would be able to go to toe-to-toe with the Phoenix Suns when they were at full strength, even with Kevin Durant out there. And if everything gets fixed, they still can. Maybe go toe-to-toe with the Golden State Warriors, with the Denver Nuggets. Well, the Nuggets have kind of kicked their butts for a while now. But now, as we're kind of getting closer to the end of the regular season, the Western Conference, which looked almost wide open, 
is slowly but surely turning into maybe a four-team race. We call it maybe. I don't think I want to include the Memphis Grizzlies so far. But as a Clippers fan, it does obviously really stink to watch what's happened. And I just, uh, look, I'll, I'll admit it. Maybe Steve will laugh at me when we have him back. I'm kind of a softie. Like, I'm not really big on players getting a lot of vitriolic um, criticism. Because criticism is one thing. But guys being gone after, like with West Brick trending on Twitter yesterday yet again, just kind of stinks for these guys because – they know they, they know they stink. Like they know that they're not playing well at this point right now. But social media and Twitter really wants to pile on, and that's just not the way it's um, not the way it's going to go. So can't wait to watch what the rest of the regular season is going to look like in the NBA. But it's going to be the Western Conference, which looked like it was going to be a ton of fun with about five or six teams that could eventually make it out. It looks like more and more it's getting a little bit heavier at the top. All right, we're going to hit the big four at four when we get Steve Cofield back. I want to. I'm sorry. I'm making the decision. I want to hit the big 4-4 four four because Steve and I have both been in on this um, this documentary, these two documentaries. Have you guys seen this? The Murdaugh Murders? This guy actually just got sentenced yesterday. Or today. Was it today? Everything. The time melts together. But we're going to talk about this on the other side. It's going to be part of the big 4-4 four because four these documentaries are nuts. And and everything. Oh, it's three minutes long next segment. Man, come on. When are we going to do this? We're not going to be able to do it then. At least not the big four. Maybe we can hit the Murdoch's because I am telling you, this is absolutely wild what we have seen from this family. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. For those out here in Las Vegas, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar is the spot coming on down. we got some swag. we got tickets as well. Mountain West Basketball Championships. Got two pairs there. And as I learned today, the NIT Finals are going to be out here at the Orleans Arena. We've got tickets to that and much more. So you can come down, say what's up, and enjoy because this is a good day of sports. Got a full NBA card. Got college hoops. Got a lot of stuff. Spring training, if that's your deal. we got spring training replays. Just a great spot to watch sports. And we have Steve Cofield, who has finally decided to join us here from Reno. What's up, man? What do you mean? I joined us for the first 45 minutes. That's the magic of the magic of radio. Uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. It's actually kind of nice here in Reno. It's about uh, 48, 49. So I've been up here a few times before, and uh, generally it's freezing, even in March and late February. So it's nice. It is nice, even though I'm never really been up there. It sounds nice, at least, and it's been nice down here because it's getting warmer. So I'm very happy about that. Also nice. I don't know how to segue this. Love, marriage. Um, you know, yeah, relationships, like, monogamy, relationships. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> relationships. So I was kind of, I was belly aching, I guess you could say in the first hour, Steve, because I feel like around this time of year, like the collective, we right, the media, you and I talk about this all the time. We don't really have a lot of topics to talk about. Um, now I think that if you try hard enough, there's plenty to talk about, but sometimes you get caught in places where you're up in the air. You don't know what you're going to bring up. So you get in some weird topics. And one of those weird topics happened, I think with Fox sports, um, we have Rick Buecher talking about Kevin Durant. And this is an interesting moment because Kevin Durant has been known to be surly and we know everything about him and being somewhat thin-skinned. But KD has not really handled it well. So Rick Buecher, over on Speak for Yourself, had some advice for Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant needs a, a relationship that teaches him what you have to respond to and what you just let go. Hmm. And that for me, is what marriage taught me. What's really important? But I have learned how to only respond and take seriously criticism 
from those I respect and from those who know me. Okay. So, John, this is basically about KD reacting to guys like Shaq and Barkley and then even going as low as Internet trolls. And we know he's got a history of just answering randos on social media. And Rick Buecher's whole point is you need to get to the point when you're that kind of superstar. And, and you know, Rick is a he's a pretty big name in the NBA, but he's not Kevin Durant. But even he learned, and I guess from being in a marriage and you know talking to his wife, someone he respects, that there is very little sense in punching down. And KD does it all the time. But what happens is he's a lot like Derek Carr, right? When Derek Carr was here, they say they don't care, but you can get them very easily to appear that they care. Stop punching down Kevin Durant. The competitive part of me wants to answer every one of them. No, mm-hmm. you got that wrong. You don't know me. And that's where I have to remind myself. The problem that I have with this with KD is I don't need no credit from y'all. Well, okay, so why are you... T- why are you even addressing it? Yeah. Like, they can let Chuck say what he's going to say. Let Shaq say what... You ain't chilling. <laughs> I get it. Go. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the premise. I think it's weird to bring up the marriage thing. <laughs> like, well, I think I, he's, he, he's trying to... Rel- yeah, I mean, and you, you go through this. You're, you know, you're a, a big radio star, and uh, especially in the gambling world, you have a lot of people come at you, and they want to give you their opinion, and they want to denigrate you. And Buker was just saying, hey, as an NBA analyst and writer over the years a lot of people come at him and he learned you know just from being around someone he really respects his wife and having conversations that you really can't sweat everything especially when it comes from in many cases nobody's yeah i understand that and i tr- actually and it's a really good point because you know, i get the mean tweets all the time you just put them on mute and try to roll on because also i think steve one of the big things it's not even from a respect standpoint that's what those people want Right, like that's the other part about it is you're kind of feeding the beast that you don't want to respond to you by responding. It emboldened them even more. Yeah, and that's exactly what they want. And yep. and you and I both see it. But imagine what Kevin Durant gets. I mean, it's a billion times what we get. Yep. So second half of the show is here, John. We're going to talk to Eric McLean from the XFL, one of the broadcasters. This is the Battleborn Sports Hour. It's brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers with offices right here in Reno and Henderson in Las Vegas. Call from anywhere in the state, 766-1400. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Rolling on. We're actually in Reno for the first time since we uh, started on ESPN Reno. So good to be here. Big rivalry game tomorrow. UNLV basketball against Nevada. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. And down at Treasure Island, our home on Fridays, is John Von Tobel. John, as you know, this weekend is nuts. There's so many things going on, uh, including the XFL trying to carve its niche, and they're going to be playing at Cashman going against the uh, Seattle Sea Dragons, and Eric McLean is doing a lot of the work on the broadcast side for ESPN. He's a ACC network guy, former ACC player, and gives a couple minutes to talk about the game and talk about the league. Eric, how are you, sir? Hey, what's up, guys? Glad to be talking with you today. I'm glad you came on. Uh, first of all, are you a uh, Vegas guy? You've been to Vegas a bunch of times or not? Not a bunch of times. I've been out here maybe four or five. So some good, good times, some good golf, and now some good football, man. I'm excited for that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, I want to talk about this weekend in Vegas because Vegas has become this crazy sports haven. And, you know, the XFL Vipers came out of the gates last week in a home opener. They got like 6,000. field was a little gritty because of the weather, very unusual weather. Before we get to any of those specifics, I just want your opinion on 
the brand of football you're seeing. You know football. You played at a high level. So what do you think of the football so far? Yeah, man, I think, you know, when you look at it, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, like a small college, I feel like, right now. Skill players, really good. Quarterback play has been nice. But, you know, the biggest difference that you're going to see, you know, is the lines of scrimmage. You know, and I think that's kind of the last piece for this league because I think there is going to be sustainability. I think there's a serious interest, as we've seen from the numbers, uh, from a rating standpoint. My goodness, it's been exceptional. Um, but I think that's the last piece uh, that, you know, two, three years from now, now you're looking at a true kind of secondary league that, man, there's, there's a lot of talent all throughout. What, what have you gotten the sense in talking to players and coaches how the developmental part of it is going, right? Because these are guys who are out there trying to develop and also get jobs. Uh, but I also feel like we talk so much about, like, ratings and entertainment that we forget yep. that these guys are trying to develop their games to get better to go to the next level. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. Every single person that you talk to, the player-wise, the goal is to get back or get to the NFL. And, and it's all about reps. It's all about getting in front of these coaches. I mean, my goodness, you look at Houston uh, head coach Wade Phillips. I mean, is there a better uh, interview that you could be doing as, as a player uh, than with him, all the connections that he has, the people that you know he can get you in front of? Uh, so I think that's been a, a huge piece of this, man. And then just from the, the developmental side, uh, from, from guys that maybe just aren't quite there. You know, I, I take this league really personal and, and think that it's something that I could have greatly benefited from as a player. Uh, you know, having moved and, and only played offensive line for, you know, three years in my entire life, and I, I'm not ready to just go to the NFL and, and play the best of the best. And something like this didn't exist, so I had to just move on. So that's why I think this is, is much needed. And, uh, man, it's been fun to be a part of it. Yeah, I love that angle. We're talking to Eric McLean about the XFL and the Vipers have a game this weekend, uh, home game number two. They're trying to get a win, and Eric is uh, working on the broadcast for ESPN. I'm so disappointed sometimes as a big football fan when I hear uh, media people, but even former players, you know, trying to crap on the spring leagues, and it's like, why don't you get out and watch a little bit and see, you know, guys who are – 24 to 30 years old who like who still have the drive. I've asked every guy we've had on. I'm like, why are you still doing that? This is a grind. But there are guys who you know didn't get the chance the first time around, or maybe you know uh, didn't take advantage of it. Like if you love football, you should love the grind of this league. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. And and that's what again I, I'm so excited that you know it exists and in the leadership and ownership that is involved here with you know Dwayne the Rock Johnson and. Danny Garcia and Jerry Cardinal, man, their vision is awesome. And their support, you know, has been tremendous. Again, another reason why I think this thing is going to be so sustainable. But it's for that guy, man, that just needs a little bit more. Um, and at the end of the day, even think of it from a coaching standpoint. Think of, you know, guys and, and gals even uh, that, that might be on NFL support staff. That now, man, they get to be a position coach. Now they get to be a coordinator, a head coach. So think about how they're getting better. This is only good for football. Anybody that says otherwise, man, they just don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, in the case of Rod Woodson, the Vipers coach, he, you know, we've talked to him in the past when he wasn't coaching. He felt like he was you know, kind of being shut out of the game. He wants to coach. He had his chances in the NFL. So this is another chance for him. Let's talk uh, the offenses because I feel like many of the offenses have been behind the defenses. I know Orlando had a nice output last week. Am I wrong in that? And looking at the league and going, hey, the D's are ahead of the offenses? Yeah, which how weird is that? I think all of our thoughts were, 
you know, all, there's going to be a ton of points. You know, the game is kind of catered to the offense. We're going to see a, a bunch in tackling. I mean, you, you can run routes on air. You can throw the football. You can backpedal and pretend to be in coverage. You can't hit anybody. You can't block. You can't do these things uh, from the physicality piece. So, you know, we all thought preseason it was going to be a very offensive-heavy league, and that hasn't quite been the case. You know, we, we've seen these defenses play really, really well, uh, and, and that's been fun. And so I think that we're going to see – you know, maybe the next three, four weeks as guys get more comfortable with reps, things of that nature, we start seeing maybe what we thought happened on the offensive side of the ball. Well, I think a big part of the Vipers' problem, they've had a little trouble running the ball, but they also have to figure out who the quarterback is, and I think they want Brett Hundley yeah. to be the guy. And, um, you know, Luis did a, a, did a good job, but he's not at the level of Hundley, but Hundley wasn't ready to go right from the get-go. So I wonder if there's going to be a big jump forward offensively with a former NFL quarterback out there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, Vegas's plan. You know, of course, Coach Woodson, uh, like all coaches, not giving any trade secrets away, but it sounds like Luis will start. Uh, and if he can just be the guy that, man, we saw that first half, first you know, couple of drives, you feel pretty good. I mean, he was electric. He was anticipating throws, throwing guys open, wasn't waiting for them, you know, to, to be open. Um, and, and that's what you need. And so now you look with – you know, Brett there and, and the things that he can add to the offense, the familiarity, you know, with, with being a pro and, and being in the NFL, I think there's a lot of juice there. But, you know, the one common theme that we did get from Coach is we're going with the hot hand. Whoever's playing, whoever's playing at a high level, they're going to go. So if Luis goes down and, you know, marches down the field and scores, he, he's going to get more and more opportunities. So it'll be fascinating to see, you know, who's ready to go and gets after it. So the XFL, uh, I think this was, I want to make sure, this was yeah earlier this morning was up on Twitter and trending. Did you see this story with this uh, quarterback for uh, Quentin Dormady for the Guardians apparently giving away the playbook? What what's the deal with this? I think I saw him in the airport. He of course was on his way out. I'm on my way in, uh, and I've got to say, guys, I, I'm uh, I'm on Las Vegas Boulevard right now. This place is magical. I mean, it's literally a fantasy land. I, I see mythical creatures. To my left, I see a giant pyramid. There's some sphere-looking ball being created. It looks like the Death Star. I don't know what this place is, man. You guys live here. This is unreal. Yeah. It's uh, it's crazy, and we just started building again the last couple of years, so there's some nutty stuff on the way, and some of the old buildings are getting torn down, so it's, it's really cool right now. So here's our take from Vegas, um, and you tell me, and uh, we're getting ready for the Sea Dragons in town against our XFL team, the Vipers. It's a 4 o'clock kickoff. Eric McLean's on the broadcast, is the league going to be patient with us? Because I don't know this first year that we're going to have tremendous attendance because there's so much competition with events around Vegas. Like, as an example, this weekend, Eric, we've got five conference tournaments on the way in college basketball. We've got NASCAR (laughs) here. We've got a John Jones UFC fight. There's a big tennis event on Sunday that's not direct competition. we got hockey tonight and tomorrow. Like, there's so much going on. I don't know that we're going to break records with attendance, but I, I hope the league is patient, patient with us as a football city. Yeah, I think that it's been very clear that uh, Vegas is a very important piece of this puzzle. These fans, this area, uh, the, the market in general, it's very important to, to our ownership. And I think when you look at it, that that's all should be understood. Now, I'm not in the ownership meetings at, at any point. Uh, but you, you've just got to think in a town like this, in a great city like this, where there is so much 
you're the new kid on the block. You, you have to figure it out. And you know, I think that certainly uh, patience will be a virtue and patience will be granted. I, I just got to feel like Vegas is, is too important of a place for, for the XFL. to. They have to be in this market. What's the best venue you've been at? What's been the best crowd? Uh, week one, man, San Antonio. I mean, there's yeah. kind of the direct opposite of you. There's nothing to do there. So we were loaded up, <laughs> uh, you know, 25, I think, thousand, maybe even more than that. Uh, great football. It was a crazy comeback victory. Um, that, that was a cool – the Alamo Dome was pretty sweet. Um, I know there's a bunch of others that, you know, we'll see throughout the year, but that's number one in, in Eric McLean's power rankings right now. When do you get to go, if at all, to D.C. and the Beer Snake? Uh, so we'll be there next week, man. So yeah. the beer snake yeah. better be ready and in full blast. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, was there a jackpot just hit in the background? I heard some uh, some ringing on some slots or something. What's going on there? <laughs> I wish. It's not me. I wish. <laughs> Vegas is crazy, and especially if you're not here all the time. It really is. It's nuts up and down the strip. And like I said, we have all these new things on the way. And the other thing we're kind of hoping for from a competitive standpoint, I don't know how much you cover – or follow hockey, um, you know, year one, the Vegas Golden Knights came into the league and they made the Stanley Cup final. And it is, right. I would say, about as a proven fact as you, you can get with stuff like this. There was something we would call the Vegas flu where teams would come in the night before and then just play like crap <laughs> the next day. And we're kind of hoping that, you know, the Sea Dragons are here early and we get them. Yeah. Well, I, I got to tell you that the one – kind of bad thing about that is you might give the Vegas flu to your own team, seeing how everybody's in Arlington, kind of in that hub. So you don't quite have that competitive home advantage just yet. <laughs> nah. Uh, what do you think is going to happen tomorrow? Are the Sea Dragons going to get the Vipers, or can Vegas win its first game? Man, I got to tell you, somebody's getting their first win. We got two 0-2 teams. But, man, when you just look at the rosters, they are both loaded. You know, with, with former NFL talent, it, it's just baffling when you see – how they both have lost. Um, you know, last week was such a fluke for, for Vegas. And I, and I know D.C. was playing, you know, in the same conditions, but obviously the D.C. team is, is much more run heavy. Uh, you know, Coach Woodson is really challenging his wide receivers. And, again, I think you, you alluded to it earlier. I think they feel good about Hudley. And, uh, man, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I think Vegas gets their first dub. Awesome. Well, enjoy Vegas as much as you can, and you'll still make it to the game tomorrow. We appreciate the time. No doubt. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you all. There you go. Ah, John, sorry. Did you want to get a Clemson offensive line question in there? No, actually, well, he, he was tweeting about some of the guys over at the Combine, and some of the uh, Clemson uh, defenders have kind of shined out in the last uh, day. So he was going to get his thoughts there. I'm sure they were going to be pro-Clemson. I'm not sure he was going to come on and be like, oh, no, Breezy sucks. He's, he's not going to go anywhere. I want to get into the combine of the 5 o'clock hour. It's been pretty interesting. I know you hit on some of the rumors. It's uh, especially some of the defensive linemen running the times they ran. That was Dude. that was pretty nuts. Yeah, but going, you know, going back to last week, the, uh, the game with the Vipers, uh, when we were talking to Adam on Monday, Adam Hill, because he's covering it as a beat writer, he said second half with the conditions, DC's like, we're just going to run it. So they had De'Ara King out there, and like they literally ran the same play like 15 times. Yeah. And Rod Woodson's like, we, we couldn't stop him. I would have done the same thing. I uh, I really can't. Like, those are the things with this XFL that I, I really wanted to watch a lot of was just, like, the in-game stuff and how much coaching was going to happen. 
with in-game adjustments and how different this is going to be. Because, like I said, like I feel like this is a developmental league, but these guys still want to win these games, right? Yeah. So like, you have to make that and strike that balance. Well, yeah, there's also there's NFL veterans in the league. Like, they're like, developmental, I don't need to be developed. I just right. want to play, get some stuff on tape, and I need big plays. And maybe winning is not the most important thing, but i got to get some highlights for myself. So it's a really, it's a really weird balance. We have another hour on the way at Cofield and Company, both at Treasure Island and here in lovely Reno up north. I better not say too many good things. For the folks in Reno, you're going bye-bye. LVSportsNetwork.com is where you can listen to the archives of the show and all three hours.